ಓಂ ಜ್ಞಾನಂಜನಶಲಾಖಾಯ ಚಕ್ಷುರುಮಿಲಿತೈ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರವೇ ನಮ ಶ್ರೀ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಮನೋಭೀಷ್ಟೂತಲೆ ಸ್ವಯಂ ರೂಪಕರಾಮ ದಾತಿ ಸ್ವಾಪದಿಕ ವಂದೇಹಂ ಶ್ರೀಗುರೋ ಶ್ರೀಯುತ್ತಪರಕಮಲ ಶ್ರೀಗುರುನ್ ವೈಷ್ಣವಂಶ್ರೀರೂಪಂ ಸಾಗ್ರಜಾಥಂ ಸಹಗನ ರಾಘುನತನ್ವಿತೀವಂ ಸದ್ವೈತ ಸಾವದೂತ ಪರಿಜನ ಸಹಿತ ಕೃಷ್ಣಚೈತನ್ಯದೇವ ಶ್ರೀರಾಧಾಕೃಷ್ಣಪಾದ ಸಹಗನ ಲಲಿತ ಶ್ರೀ ವಿಶಾಖನ್ವಿತಿಷ್ಣುಪಾಯ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಪೃಷ್ಠಾಯೂತಲೆ ಶ್ರೀಮತ್ಥೆ ಭಕ್ತಿವೇದಾಮಿನೆ ನಮಸ್ತೆ ಸರಸ್ವತಿ ದೇವಿ ಗೌರವಾ ಪ್ರಚಾರಿಣೆ ನಿರ್ವಿಶೇಷ ಶೂನ್ಯವಾದಿ ಪಶ್ಚಾತ್ಯಧೀಶಾರಿಣೆ ವಂಚಕಲ್ಪತುರುಭ್ಯ ಕೃಪಾಸಿಂಧೂಭ್ಯ ಪತಿಭ್ಯೋ ನಮೋ ನಮಃ ಹೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣಕರುಣಸಿಂಧು ದೀನಬಾಂಧೋ ಜಗತ್ಪತೆ ಗೋಪೇಶ ಗೋಪಿಕಾಂತ ರಾಧಾಕಾಂತ ನಮೋಸ್ತುತೆ ತಪ್ತ ಕಾಂಚನ ಗೌರಂಗೀ ರಾಧೇ ಬೃಂದವನೇಶ್ವರಿ ಋಷಭಾನುಸುತೆ ದೇವಿ ಪ್ರಣಮಿ ಹರಿ ಪ್ರಿಯ ಜೈ ಶ್ರೀ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಪ್ರಭು ನಿತ್ಯಾನಂದ ಶ್ರೀಯದ್ವೈತ ಗಾಧಾ ಶಿವಸಾಲಿ ಗೌರಭಕ್ತವೃಂದ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ರಾಮ ಹರೇ ರಾಮ 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 ಹರೇ ಹರೇ ಸೊ ಐ ಲೈಕ್ ಟು ಅಗೇನ್ ಸೇ ಐ ಆಮ್ ವೆರಿ ಹ್ಯಾಪಿ ಹ್ಯಾಪಿ ಟು ಬಿ ವಿತ್ ಯು ಚೆನ್ನೈ ಯಾತ್ರ ದಿಸ್ ಮಾರ್ನಿಂಗ್ and i'm especially happy to have the honor of being translated by jivan gorahari prabhu <laughs> you're not translating <laughs> so we will ah there we go <laughs> thank you ranga krishna prabhu <laughs> ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಾಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಾಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಾಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ನಾರಾಯಣ ನಮಸ್ಕೃತ ನಾರಂ ಚವನೋತ್ತಮ ದೇವಿಂಗ್ ಸರಸ್ವತಿ ವ್ಯಾಸಂ ತಥೋ ಜಯ ಮುದೀರೇತ್ ನಷ್ಟಪ್ರೇಶ್ವಭದ್ರೇಶು ನಿತ್ಯಂ ಭಾಗವತ ಸೇವಯ ಭಾಗವತ್ಯುತ್ತಮ ಶ್ಲೋಕೆ ಭಕ್ತಿರ್ಭವತಿ ನೈಷ್ಠಿಕೀ 
Today we are reading the final verses of uh, chapter 13, canto 10 of Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, the chapter is called Brahma Stealing the Boys and Calves. And uh, traditionally, this is known as the Brahma Vimohana Lila. So I'll just read uh, the Sanskrit of verse 61. Tatrodvahat Pashupa Tatrodvahat Pashupav Angsha Shishutvanatyam Brahmadvayang Paramanantam Agadhabodham Vatsan Sakin Ivapura Parito Vichinvat Ekang Sapani Kavalam Parameshya Chashta. And the translation Then Lord Brahma saw the Absolute Truth, who is one without a second, who possesses full knowledge and who is unlimited, assuming the role of a child in a family of cowherd men and standing all alone, just as before, with a morsel of food in his hand, searching everywhere for the calves and his cowherd friends. Oh, so you won't be... Should I just read the transl the commentary English? Okay. <clears throat> Purport. And this is, uh, <clears throat> as Ranga Krishna Prabhu just pointed out, uh, these are the very last verses uh, of the last chapter that was translated and commented by Śrīla Prabhupāda uh, prior to his departure from this world. So this is one of these last purports. Purport, the word agadhabodham, meaning full of unlimited knowledge, is significant in this verse. The Lord's knowledge is unlimited, and therefore one cannot touch where it ends, just as one cannot measure the ocean. What is the extent of our intelligence in comparison to the vast expanse of water in the ocean. On my passage to America, how insignificant the ship was, like a matchbox in the midst of the ocean. <laughs> Krishna's intelligence resembles the ocean, for one cannot imagine how vast it is. 
the best course, therefore, is to surrender to Krishna. Don't try to measure Krishna. The word advayam, meaning one without a second, is also significant because Brahma was overcast by Krishna's maya. He was thinking himself the supreme. In the material world, everyone thinks, I am the best man in this world. I know everything. <laughs> One thinks, why should I read Bhagavad Gita? I know everything. I have my own interpretation. Brahma, however, was able to understand that the Supreme Personality of Godhead uh, this, that the Supreme Personality is Krishna, Ishvara Paramakrishna. Another of Krishna's names, therefore, is Parameshwara. Now, Brahma saw Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, appearing as a cowherd boy in Vrindavan, not demonstrating his opulence, but standing just like an innocent boy with some food in his hand, loitering with his cowherd boyfriend's calves and cows. Brahma did not see Krishna as Chaturbhuja, the opulent Narayana. Rather, he simply saw an innocent boy. Nonetheless, he could understand that although Krishna was not demonstrating his power, he was the same supreme person. People generally do not appreciate someone unless he shows something wonderful. But here, although Krishna did not manifest anything wonderful, Brahma could understand that the same wonderful person was present like an ordinary child, although he was the master of the whole creation. Thus Brahma prayed, Govindam Adipurashang Tamahang Bajami. You are the original person, the cause of everything. I bow down to you. This was his realization, tamahang bhajami. This is what is wanted. Vedeshu durlabham. One cannot reach Krishna merely by Vedic knowledge. Adurlabham, atma bhakto. But when one becomes a devotee, then one can realize him. Brahma, therefore, became a devotee. In the beginning, he was proud of being Brahma, the Lord of the universe, but now he understood. Here is the Lord of the universe. I am simply an insignificant agent. Govindam Adipurasham Tam Ahang Bajami. Krishna was playing like a dramatic actor because Brahma 
had some false prestige, thinking that he had some power, Krishna showed him his real position. A similar incident occurred when Brahma went to see Krishna in Dwaraka. When Krishna's doorman informed Lord Krishna that Lord Brahma had arrived, Krishna responded, Which Brahma? Ask him, Which Brahma? <laughs> the doorman relayed this question, and Brahma was astonished. Is there another Brahma besides me? He thought. When the doorman informed Lord Krishna, it is four-headed Brahma. Lord Krishna said, oh, four-headed. Call the others, show him. This is Krishna's position. For Krishna, the four-headed Brahma is insignificant to say nothing of four-headed scientists. Materialistic scientists think that although this planet Earth is full of opulence, all others are vacant. Because they simply speculate, this is their scientific conclusion. But from the Bhagavatam we understand that the entire universe is full of living entities everywhere. Thus, it is the folly of the scientists that although they do not know anything, they mislead people by presenting themselves as scientists, philosophers, and men of knowledge. And so ends Srila Prabhupada's purport to this verse. <clears throat> we will go ahead and uh, read the remaining verses that remaining three verses of this chapter, but first we can say a few words on this verse. Uh, this Brahma Vimohan Lila is one of the uh, most wonderful pastimes of Krishna, we may say. for many reasons. One reason being that, uh, as in other pastimes, but here especially, Krishna is accomplishing many tasks simultaneously. One of these tasks uh, is highlighted in these final verses, namely uh, his uh, giving Lord Brahma the opportunity to understand who he is. Another function of Lord Krishna in this pastime is to give everyone in Vrindavan the opportunity to serve him 
in the mood of Vatsalya Rasa. Uh, an interesting uh, feature of this pastime is that no one knows what is happening. Even Balaram does not know what is happening for an entire year. And and yet we who are reading and hearing the pastime, we are given access to know uh, something that even Lord Brahma, uh, sorry, Lord Brahma and Balaram do not know. We might also say that this pastime is uh, special because Lord Krishna, with uh, through the agency of Lord Brahma, gives uh, all the cowherd boys and the calves, uh, the original ones, opportunity to take a nice long nap. Lord Brahma is thinking as he is stealing away and hiding the cows, the calves, and the cowherd boys that he is being very clever. Um, in a similar way, we sometimes think that we are being very clever uh, as we make arrangements for ourselves and for others in this life. Uh, and so uh, the, the Leela as a whole is a lesson for Brahma and it's also a lesson for us. Lord Brahma with his clever cleverness, he, he is considered to have a his body is constituted of buddhi of intelligence. And also, uh, we, we typically associate intelligence with uh, brain, and brain is in our head. So we th 
think of ourselves, we prize our our heads, uh, and so Lord Brahma with his four heads is uh, especially intelligent. And with his four heads, he has eight eyes. And with these eight eyes, he can observe every, everything going on in this universe. So, as Krishna was uh, exhibiting his pastimes in Vrindavan, uh, including uh, just before this pastime, the killing of Agasura, Lord Brahma was observing with great attention. And seeing Lord Krishna uh, in this wonderful way killing Agasura, Lord Brahma then f had this idea that he should test Krishna. Now it's interesting to reflect on what was happening in Krishna's mind as, Krish, as Lord Brahma stole the calves and cows. Sorry, the calves and the coward boys. As we know, Krishna was having a picnic with his friends and then they, as they were enjoying their lunch, they noticed that the calves had wandered off. Uh, it's mentioned just before this that they had tied the calves uh, to to some trees. So apparently, uh, this they didn't tie them very well. So the, the cowherd boys were concerned and they wanted to go and um, bring the calves back. And Lord Krishna says, no need, you stay here, I will manage everything. Uh, 
And then he goes away and begins searching for the calves. Now we know that Krishna is all-knowing, therefore he must be knowing uh, what Lord Brahma is planning to do. But uh, he seems to be bewildered. He looks for the calves, he doesn't find them, he comes back to the cowherd boys, he doesn't find them. And this is going to be uh, sort of echoed toward the end of the chapter, uh, some verses before what we're reading. Lord Brahma becomes bewildered when he looks and sees all the cowherd boys and the calves, and then he goes to where he hid the cowherd boys and the calves. So it's kind of the inverse of, of uh, what's happening in the beginning. But in the case of Krishna, in the beginning, we naturally want to say, oh, Krishna knows exactly what was going on. He was not actually bewildered. Uh, Well, this could be a matter of debate, but uh, the... Uh, essential point is that in any case, Krishna understands what Lord Brahma is doing, and so he responds. Now, if I were um, if I were with you all uh, in the same room instead of uh, through through the computer, I would be asking you a question and we could discuss. But uh, I won't do that here. But I will, uh, I will pose a question and you can just think about it. And maybe, uh, if you like, you can write a response in the chat. Taipan <laughs> ne. 
So here is my question. Can you think of what else Krishna might have, how Krishna might have responded instead of responding the way he does? Are there other ways that Krishna might have responded to what Lord Brahma was doing or responded to Lord Brahma? Knowing that Krishna is all-powerful, all-knowing, and so on, what else might he have done in order to teach Lord Brahma this lesson? So we could think of many different things that he might have done, but he doesn't do those. Instead, what does he do? He simply replaces all of the stolen calves and cowherd boys with expansions of himself. He replicates himself. He expands himself in such a special way that we don't find in any other um, in any other leelas of Krishna's replication or expansion. Uh, and it's quite interesting what he does, considering uh, we, we understand that all living beings are unique. Each of the unlimited jivas uh, are, uh, and there are unlimited numbers, are unique. which means that we each have our own very particular uh, ways, ways of behavior, of speaking, of appearing. And just amongst ourselves, we can look at each other and see, oh, Yes, this devotee is so much different from that devotee. Uh, 
And uh, if we we all have this experience, sometimes uh, we're we're waiting uh, for a friend in some public place, maybe at a train station. And uh, we, we're looking, looking, uh, until we recognize our friend. We are seeing hundreds of faces, maybe thousands of faces, and not one of them confuses us uh, to think, oh, maybe this is my friend, maybe that's my friend. No, we, we will know instantly when we see our friend. And what to speak of parents uh, knowing their child and perhaps even more than the father, <laughs> the mother knows the child. <laughs> so now Krishna is... Uh, replicating each and every one of those very particular and unique cowherd boys and also the calves so perfectly that their parents are fooled into thinking that this is my son, this is my calf. Well, uh, as we know, this um, charade, this game of Krishna goes on for an entire year, facilitating uh, all of the all of the uh, mothers, uh, both the mothers of the boys and the mothers of the calves, to um, to have this vatsalya sweet rasa with Krishna. So now in these final verses, Lord Brahma is, uh, is seeing, he is recognizing and understanding his fault, his mistake, his foolishness. Uh, and so in this verse, the final line, Ekam, Sapani Kavalam Parameshtyachashtaha. He saw uh, this boy by himself, Sapani Kavalam, with a morsel of food in his hand. Uh, 
he's seeing him exactly in the same way he saw him before he took away the cowherd boys and the cows. But now there's a difference. Now he's getting uh, his understanding, his proper vision. So we can proceed to the next verse. Drishtvatvarena nijadorana to vatirya Yam Pritvyam Vapukanakadandam Ivapibatya Sprishtvachatur Mukutakoti Birangri Yugmang Natva Mat Natva Mut Ashru Sujalair Akrita Bishekam. After seeing this, Lord Brahma hastily got down from his swan carrier fell down like a golden rod and touched the lotus feet of Lord Krishna with the tips of the four crowns on his head. Offering his obeisances, he bathed the feet of Krishna with the water of his tears of joy. And the purport, there's some interesting points in this purport. Lord Brahma bowed down like a stick. And because Lord Brahma's complexion is golden, he appeared to be like a golden stick lying down before Lord Krishna. When one falls down before a superior just like a stick, one's offering of obeisance is called dandavat. Danda means stick, and vat means like. It is not that one simply one should simply say that one should simply say dandavat. Rather, one must fall down. <laughs> Thus, Brahma fell down, touching his foreheads to the lotus feet of Krishna, and his crying in ecstasy is to be regarded as an abhisheka, bathing ceremony of Krishna's lotus feet. He who appeared before Brahma as a human child was in fact the absolute truth. Brahman, para-Brahman, brahmeti, paramatmeti, bhagavan iti, shabdhyate, the Supreme Lord is Narakriti, that is, he resembles a human being. It is not that he is four-armed, Chaturbahu. Narayan is Chaturbahu, but the Supreme Person resembles a human being. This is also confirmed in the Bible, where it is said that man was made in the image of God. Lord Brahma saw that Krishna, in his form as a cowherd boy, was Parabrahman, the root cause of everything, but was now appearing as a human child. 
loitering in Vrindavan with a morsel of food in his hand. Astonished, Lord Brahma hastily got down from his swan carrier and let his body fall to the earth. Usually, the demigods never touch the ground, but Lord Brahma, voluntarily giving up his prestige as a demigod, bowed down on the ground before Krishna. Although Brahma has one head in each direction, he voluntarily brought all his heads to the ground and touched Krishna's feet with the tips of his four helmets. Although his intelligence works in every direction, he surrendered everything before the Lord Krishna. It is mentioned that Brahma washed the feet of Krishna with his tears, and here the word sujalai indicates that his tears were purified. As soon as bhakti is present, everyone is purified. Sarvopadivinirmuktam. Therefore, Brahma's crying was a form of bhakti anubhava, a transformation of transcendental ecstatic love. <clears throat> Lord Brahma, seeing Krishna, is now acting in the appropriate way by getting off of his swan carrier and offering dandavat pranam obeisance. Shastanga. Um, <clears throat> Prabhupada makes uh, <laughs> an interesting uh, little correction in the purport when he says we should not simply say dandavat when we're offering respect. Uh, we should actually do it. <laughs> Mm. Uh, sometimes people, especially in the West, uh, when they visit a Krishna temple and they see devotees coming in and physically bowing on the floor and making even dandavat, when people see this uh, the first time, they're quite shocked. Um, because nobody bows down physically on the floor, on the ground nowadays. Maybe in ancient times people did that. Um, a few years ago, uh, there was uh, one 
popular uh, music singer named Board Boy George, who uh, performed a song called Bow Down Mister. You can look it up on YouTube. And in this song, he is singing Hare Krishna mantra. Uh, and I can say that I personally have been on stage uh, with Boy George uh, many years ago in Moscow. We were uh, a whole group, uh, the Goranga Bhajan Band. We had a huge concert, and he was also um, participating. So the the refrain of that song has this uh, this phrase: "Bow down, Mister. You should bow down." <laughs> it sounds so much better in Tamil. So this is a nice message, actually. The whole world can benefit from this message uh, to bow down. Uh, and they can, everyone can benefit from uh, Lord Brahma's example. And also we, of course, uh, devotees, aspiring devotees, we can benefit as, as we offer obeisance uh, to Lord Krishna, as we offer obeisance to the devotees. We can remember that uh, this is uh, being done by even, even Lord Brahma is doing this. Uh, also, uh, we can remember uh, that when he offers obeisance, he does it not just with one of his four heads, but with all four heads. Now, technically, how he managed that, I cannot say. It seems he would have to twist his neck in some way, but his body is made of buddhi, so I guess no problem.
But also it's wonderful, and we can meditate on this vision, that sprishtva chatur mukuta kotibir angri yugmang, that as he's offering obeisance with his four heads, uh, uh, there is, are tears of joy coming from his eyes, all eight eyes. Uh, and so, uh, we can also remember this pastime. Uh, those of you who uh, perform archana, whether at home or in the temple, So as as you may know, uh, in standard archana there is offering of sixteen upacharas. And um, after offering a seat and welcome asanam and swagatam to the Lord. Uh, the next item that we offer is called padyam. And padyam is uh, the water for washing the feet of the Lord. The idea is that uh, when a guest comes, after traveling, uh, it is refreshing to have the feet cleaned, uh, washed with water. So this is an item of welcoming. So as we offer padyam, we can remember this pastime. Because Lord Brahma is essentially with his tears, he is offering padyam. Uh, the the verse says Abhishekam. Uh, so, an Abhisheka is a, is a more elaborate padyam, you can say. So there are many uh, pastimes uh, like this where we can connect the service we do. Uh, to, you can say, the ideal form of that service 
as shown in uh, the pastimes of the Lord and his devotees. And in this way, we connect uh, Archana with Leela Smarana. And just one more point, and then we can uh, continue with the next verse, is uh, that Lord Brahma is now in a very um, joyful and very emotional state. So his body is made of intelligence, and we usually think of intelligence as something analytical, and there's no emotion, but now... Uh, this embodiment of intelligence, Brahma, is showing bhakti anubhava. Uh, and and so we can say Lord Brahma is having um, a renewed transformation. He's already had a darshan of Lord Narayan in the second canto. Now he's having full darshan of Krishna in Vrindavan. And now the experience, uh, the bhava he is having, is so intense uh, that is being described in the next verse. Uh, verse 63. Uttayo taya krishnasya chirasya Drishtam smritva smritva puna punaha, rising and falling again and again at the lotus feet of Lord Krishna for a long time. Lord Brahma remembered over and over the Lord's greatness he had just seen. And the purport, as stated in one prayer, Shrutim apare smritim itare bharatam anye bhajantubhavabhita aham iha nandang vande yasyalinde parambrahma. Let others study the Vedas, smriti, and Mahabharata, fearing material existence. 
but I shall worship Nanda Maharaj, in whose courtyard is crawling the Supreme Brahman. Nanda Maharaj is so great that the Parabrahman is crawling in his yard, and therefore I shall worship him. Uh, this is from Padyavali, uh, which was uh, Srila Rupa Goswami's uh, collection of favorite verses. Brahma was falling down in ecstasy because of the presence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who exactly resembled a human child, Brahma was naturally astonished. Therefore, with a faltering voice, he offered prayers, understanding that here was the Supreme Person. Uh, utaya, utaya, rising repeatedly, uh, we can we can picture this situation. This the great and grand Lord Brahma is now uh, utterly humbled, but utterly joyful at the same time. And this is a demonstration of an essential feature of bhakti. Uh, that um, with devotion comes humility, with humility comes devotion. Uh, they go together. You cannot really separate them. The more we appreciate, uh, at, the more we appreciate uh, Krishna, the more we are attracted to Krishna. The more we appreciate the devotees, the more we are attracted to service that much more we become humble. And there's really no limit to this, just as there's no limit uh, to the extent of our feeling of devotion for the Lord to expand. And now we can read the final verse of uh, this chapter and the final purport that Srila Prabhupada wrote uh, before his departure. Shanaeratotaya Vimrit Chalochane Mukundam Udviksha 
vinamrakandara kritanjali prasrayavan samahita save laya then rising very gradually and wiping his two eyes lord brahma looked up at mukunda Lord Brahma, his head bent low, his mind concentrated, and his body trembling, very humbly began with faltering words to offer praises to Lord Krishna. Purport. Uh, purport, Brahma, being very joyful, began to shed tears, and he washed the lotus feet of Krishna with his tears. Repeatedly he fell and rose as he recalled the wonderful activities of the Lord. After repeating obeisances, for a long time Brahma stood up and smeared his hands over his eyes. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur comments that the word lochane indicates that with his two hands he wiped the two eyes on each of his four faces. <laughs> Seeing the Lord before him, Brahma began to offer prayers with great humility, respect, and attention. So, uh, <laughs> When I first read uh, the translation, wiping his two eyes, immediately I was thinking, oh, but wait, Lord Brahma doesn't have only two eyes, he has eight eyes. And I was wondering, how does it say um, two eyes? This is uh, in uh, the dual form. Uh, Sanskrit, I don't know about Tamil, but Sanskrit has a dual form, uh, which is indicated by this ending, lochane. So it does indicate specifically two eyes. Do you have in Tamil also when you're, huh? You do, okay. <laughs> so I was very relieved uh, to read in the purport that Srila uh, Vishwanath Chakavarti Thakur is explaining <clears throat> that, yes, it is uh, four sets of two eyes being dried by Lord uh, Brahma's four sets of two hands. Uh, 
Um, and and um, all of this is, of course, in a sense, it is, it is the end of a pastime, but it's not the end. It's the beginning now in the next chapter of Lord Brahma's very wonderful prayers to Lord Krishna. Very wonderful prayers which then Lord Krishna patiently listens to but then makes no response. So Lord Brahma was feeling very bad, very embarrassed for what he had done by stealing the cow herd boys and calves. And now he, <clears throat> he wants to make up for his mistake. Uh, and so he offers these wonderful prayers, but then he doesn't know whether Krishna is satisfied with his prayers or not. He, he, Krishna does not even like nod in confirmation, in affirmation. Okay, now you've offered prayers. Thank you very much. Nothing. It's like, oh... I really made a big mistake. I don't... What have I done? <laughs> so we may say that uh, Lord Brahma is, is feeling genuinely remorseful. And uh, this feeling of remorse, he's also uh, showing example for us. This is uh, a good experience to feel remorse when we do something wrong. Uh, this feeling of remorse is purifying. Uh, and uh, it is a to to feel remorse is because it's purifying. It is a form of tapasya. Uh, so we can be grateful to Lord Brahma, even though he did something very. Uh, perhaps improper, we can be grateful to him that he did so, uh, giving Krishna this opportunity to have this wonderful pastime.
So I think I will uh, conclude with this point, and then we can look um, briefly to see some of the responses to my question in the chat. So Sumit, Sumitra Krishna Prabhu has uh, has said that. Uh, well, he's just affirming my question. Other ways Krishna might have responded. Then uh, we have a response that Krishna would have chastised Brahma directly. Uh, Another, oh, Sumitra Krishna Prabhu again, he could have complained to his parents, Yashoda and Nanda Maharaj. That's possible, but... Mm, we can understand there's a good reason why Krishna did not do that. And that is, uh, in Krishna's relationship with Nanda and Yashoda, he does not want to cause them unnecessary anxiety. Uh, we can just imagine what a huge panic outbreak there would have been in Vrindavan uh, if all of the uh, cowherd men and women saw that now their boys have disappeared and all the calves have disappeared. Uh, let's see, what else? Yeah, one possible response uh, of Krishna is he could have prevented Brahma from, from doing, from stealing the calves and the boys. He could have interrupted his, uh, his stealing engagement. And again, Sumitra Krishna Prabhu is saying he could have <laughs> he could have caught Lord Brahma red-handed. He could have, as he was stealing, he could have come and said, "Ah, you can't do that." But, uh, as he says, Sumitra Prabhu says, he didn't do that because 
he wanted to extend, he wanted to drag out, so to say, uh, this pastime. Therefore, he didn't do that. Uh, and so um, he he didn't uh, he didn't stop him he didn't prevent he didn't the next suggestion he could have ordered Brahma to release the calves and the gopas he didn't do that And then again, uh, Sumitra Krishna Prabhu is suggesting <clears throat> we have to know uh, the Lord sometimes doesn't punish immediately, but waits, due to which Brahma himself realizes his mistakes and surrenders the calves and boys, and he himself surrenders to the lotus feet of Krishna asking forgiveness. Uh, yes, this is an interesting point also for ourselves. Uh, we may be doing something wrong, and uh, why doesn't Krishna just come straight out and um, somehow correct us? Or why doesn't Guru correct us? Because they're waiting for us to realize ourselves. And then Ranga Krishna Prabhu is saying, probably um, he, I guess Krishna, could have vanished the gopas that Brahma stole and kept in the cave. In other words, he could have stolen them back uh, and in this way bewildered Lord Brahma. And then uh, Mr. V.S. Ratinavil uh, is suggesting if Krishna punished Brahma, then Brahma could not overcome his pride. Secondly, Krishna could also have to fulfill uh, his devotees' desires in Vraja as becoming, becoming the sons and calves of the Rajavasis and cows. Yeah, uh, p punishing to 
you know, do a kind of overt punishment. First of all, uh, Krishna is in Vrindavan to have fun. Uh, it would not have been fun to punish Lord Brahma. Uh, and also, as he's saying here, uh, this uh, would not necessarily have solved the problem of Lord Brahma being prideful. Yeah. Well, uh, some very nice responses here. My thanks to you all for that. Uh, and uh, I'm so happy again to have had this opportunity to be with you all uh, for this uh, final section of a very important chapter of the Bhagavatam. I might mention, uh, just um, to sort of prepare, you might be surprised if you ever hear this, uh, this chapter is a little bit controversial. There are some uh, sampradayas of Vaishnavas who reject the whole pastime. They say, uh, this could not have happened because... Uh, Lord Brahma is so great, he would not do something so foolish. So they will say that this chapter is an interpolation. It's been inserted into the Bhagavatam at some later date. But we understand as followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, that as great as Lord Brahma is, precisely because he is so great, he is willing uh, to learn lessons uh, and thereby to teach us that we can also always be learning uh, to better ourselves in uh, Krishna Bhakti. Uh, 
Hare Krishna. All right. So one general point I would make is we understand that there is never obstruction to bhakti. Uh, devotional service can always be performed in all conditions. If we cannot do service in a particular way because of circumstance, there is always some other way we can do service. So, uh, in this case, you're asking about offering physical uh, pranams, dandavats, and how we're not really doing that uh, when we are in this uh, uh, digital universe. But uh, one point is that wherever we are at our homes, uh, we, the Vaishnavas always have uh, the home altar and we can offer dandavat vandanam uh, before the Lord and his devotees uh, in our home altar. And then there is always manasa, manasa puja. Uh, in manasa puja, we can do all the activities of uh, archana, of uh, worship. In fact, we can do them in a much more elaborate way than we could ever do physically. Uh, 
But uh, the substance of obeisance is, of course, uh, the feeling that goes with it. And that is what we want to cultivate. Uh, the, the physical obeisance helps to remind us, uh, but the substance is in the feeling of humility and honoring of the other person. It's, it's possible to offer physical obeisance uh, out of, you know, out of habit and out of routine without the feeling that we want to cultivate. And conversely, it's possible to uh, cultivate the feeling and not um, for particular circumstance uh, make physical obeisance. Uh, Samita Krishna Prabhu says we can offer digital pranama. <laughs> yeah, however that works. <laughs> I would say uh, that joy, the sense of joy, prevailed um, because by Krishna's grace, he, Krishna was uh, already actually showering him uh, with blessing, and he he felt that blessing, and he he was overwhelmed by it. So on one level, there may have been. Uh, uh, a sense of fear, but the overwhelming feeling was joy. Uh, in English, we have this uh, expression that comes from the Christian tradition, 
to have fear of God as as a good thing, as a feeling of piet, pious uh, respect. And uh, if we translate that into our understanding of rasa, uh, that would be connected with, um, ironically, it's connected with shanta rasa. Um, shanta is actually a rather complex um, uh, constellation of emotions, and one of them can be sense of awe and reverence. Uh, but the the next rasa closer to Krishna is of course dasya rasa, and uh, my understanding is that Lord Brahma has that relationship, and in that relationship, uh, the fear uh, goes to the background. Yeah, the first thing is to recognize that it's not up to us ultimately what is uh, the feeling or the attitude of the other person. Uh, 
So if we feel that we have made a mistake, uh, done something wrong in relation to another, uh, we, uh, we beg forgiveness. And however that person reacts or doesn't react, uh, we want to see ourselves in a position as uh, serving that person. And so we can uh, have that, we, we want to cultivate that attitude that whatever is the attitude of the other person, let me be a servant. And let me be a well-wisher of this person. And maybe the relationship is not clear at present, but in due course of time, it will become uh, clarified, it will become resolved. We should have that, that faith and that hope uh, that uh, all, all will be well in course of time, and we may have to be patient for that. <laughs> when we if you if you're in samadhi <laughs> uh, you're certainly not controlled by your senses but your senses may be expressing the overwhelming feelings of bhava Uh, in the very uh, great intensity of very advanced uh, emotional devotion, uh, the body becomes uh, becomes like a a resonator of those emotions. Yeah, I'll give example, resonator. Um, if you have, uh, I know in classical Tamil 
uh, uh, music, they are sometimes, well, let's take the classical instrument, the veena. So the veena has uh, this very large uh, round portion, actually two such portions. And these are resonators. They amplify the sound. Uh, and so that's what's happening when uh, the devotee is, as uh, Raoji says, is in trance. Is, um, th this is the ashta sattvika bhavas, the eight types of, uh, of ecstasy that are expressed by the body. That is my understanding. This we have heard. Iti shushruma diranam. Okay, so maybe we will end there for today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> One more thing I want to say, because as you pointed out, this was the last uh, chapter that Srila Prabhupada translated and commented. Uh, that the condition that he was in when he was doing this chapter, uh, Srila Prabhupada was lying down in the bed. It was uh, just barely, uh, he was whispering his uh, commentary. So we can hardly imagine uh, this uh, condition, this situation in which he was uh, doing this for our benefit. Uh, so we can try to appreciate and uh, be grateful to Srila Prabhupada for this. Srila Prabhupada ki jai, 
Grantaraj Shimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Chennai Yatra ki jai, Anantakoti Vaishnavarinda ki jai, Gor Premanande Hari Bol. Hare Krishna. You're all very kind. Hare Krishna. Gaur Prem Ananda. Thank you. Thank you, Jivan Gora Hari Prabhu, for translating. Haribo. Jai, jai, jai. Haribo. <laughs>